there, all you remarkable Redwoods. Welcome back to another week of A Little Greener, a podcast all about nature, conservation, and sustainability. I am one of your hosts. My name is Sarah. I am here with the phenomenal Casey. (laughs) I just keep getting better. (laughs) Hi, everybody. How's it going, Casey? Good. You're on a, we're on a plant roll right now. We, I think like really didn't do any plants for our intro for so long that now we're just like, oh yeah, a whole world of possibilities is open now. (laughs) I don't know why. So our episode this week, we talked all about parks. And so in my mind, I just felt like I needed to use a plant for parks. I I think, I mean, it comes up. Right. That, that's a little Easter egg for later in, in the episode. Yeah. Um, we have actually already recorded this week's episode. We did things a little bit differently. So this is, uh, you're going to be hearing from Sarah and Casey of the past with <laughs> our uh, wonderful guest host, Olivia, who hosts the podcast Remarkable Parks. So you'll hear all about that. We're going to have a fun little conversation about parks. You're going to hopefully have some fun, learn some things, keep it light. So we really hope you enjoy this. Yeah. We need a little lightness. I feel like these days. So yeah, this was a fun one. I enjoyed recording it. We laughed a lot. So hopefully you will enjoy listening to it and learn a little bit of something. Casey, I do still have a question for you before we jump into the conversation, because I don't think we actually talked about this in the episode. We talked about perks that we wanted to visit. We probably alluded to some things, but what is your favorite park? Can be a national park. It can be a park in your neighborhood that nobody else has ever heard of. Whatever. What's your favorite park or park experience that you've had? Oh, I, I don't think I'm going to answer this accurately because, <laughs> well, because I I really love parks and I, I've been to some amazing city parks. I've been to um, some amazing national parks, and it's really hard to say like, oh national parks are like not as good as I I love local city parks, but like, I mean, there are national parks for a reason. I want to say one of my favorite experiences at a park is when Andrew and I went up to Indiana Dunes National Park. If you listen to Remarkable Parks, which is Olivia's podcast, you will hear an episode with me as a guest host talking about that park. But Andrew and I went up for his birthday and it rained and wasn't so nice, but just the diversity of ecosystems that are represented there in a state that I really didn't give a lot of credit to. Indiana's very flat if you've been to the middle of it, but the edges are kind of nice. So um, so I think that's one of my most notable recent park experiences, although I've been very blessed to be out to places like Yellowstone and I mean, and the Rocky Mountains. So yeah, too many to name. What about yeah. you? I've talked about mine too many times. I feel oh, like that I'm just going to be a broken yeah. record, but the Great Smoky Mountains National Park is just... I I call it my happy place. Yes. It's just, there is just something cozy about it. My mom and I, my mom wants me to go out West with her and go see the Rockies. Cause I haven't really, Oh my gosh! and I would love to, but you know, she shows me pictures and stuff, but I'm just like, it's amazing. And I'm sure it would be amazing, but it feels almost intimidating and overwhelming to me. Just whereas the Smokies are just, they're just like, they're beautiful. They're majestic, but they're like cozy. Somehow. I don't know. I don't know. No, I agree. It, I I'm, just have I'm such a the, pleasant feeling there. I'm from the East coast. And so I get a little offended by these Rocky mountain snobs who <laughs> pretend like the Appalachians aren't mountains because they absolutely are. And they're older than your mountains. Thank you very much. <laughs> My mom yeah. loves the, the Appalachians <laughs> as well. Do I will, yes. she, she's, she's not um, competing with them, but she does want me to see both. They're great for different reasons, but my, um, my great grandparents lived in Estes park, which is in Colorado up in the 
the Rockies and I got to go out there a couple summers as a kid and see my grandparents. And I mean, it's just kind of magical. <laughs> You're like hiking through the mountains and see lakes and things like that. So, yeah. well, without further ado, Go ahead and, and you're going to be listening to the main body of our episode. And we'll talk to you right at the end about your homework for the week. Welcome everybody to a very special episode of A Little Greener. I'm so excited. It's our first true podcast crossover because <laughs> we're here, right? I mean, how else would you describe Oh yeah, it? no, this is a crossover episode. Excellent. Uh, welcome, Olivia. Hi. <laughs> Hi, thank you so much for having me. I could not be more excited to be here. We're excited to have you. I'm so excited to see you. I can't even remember the last time I've gotten to see your face. So this is making me very happy today. But Olivia, if you want to kind of kick us off here. So we know that you have your own podcast, right? You have host a podcast called Remarkable Parks. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do on your podcast? What what it's like? What made you want to do this podcast? Yes, I do. I host a weekly podcast called Remarkable Parks, and my objective is to connect listeners with a new park every week, be it a city, state, or national park. And I have not been exceptionally faithful to it these past few weeks because (laughs) my life (laughs) is uh, being pulled in many different directions. But I just have a passion for the outdoors and for those who also share that but might not be able to visit a park in person as frequently as they would like. My goal for the podcast was to share the love of nature uh, and and conservation. I think the time that I was on it, uh, you talked about it being like a very happy space that people get excited about because it's positive things that you can share and build this little community uh, with people about something that they're all passionate about, which I think is a really cool uh, way to dedicate your time. Thank you. Yes. We focus on talking about the history of the park and the best trails, the local hotspots, like the restaurants that you can support in the area and the local boutiques. And places to camp. Uh, A lot of people experience nature differently. Some people like to experience from the comfort of a cabin or a lodge, and other people like to go camping in the backcountry and to not come out for days in civilization. Uh, Some people experience nature alone. Other people experience nature with others. So I think it's a really diverse experience, but we all share a common love of being outdoors. So here's my question, Olivia, because this, it sounds very daunting to me because I feel like, like I've only been to a handful of parks. So when you do this podcast, did you start off because it's just you, right? Casey and I are very spoiled and fortunate to have each other (laughs) to, to do our podcast together, but you host this podcast by yourself. So did you start off with just parks that you have been to, or I know you have guests on, like Casey, you said she's been on it. Do you have your guests come on and talk about parks? Do you talk about parks that you've never been to? Or how do you how do you kind of work that? A little bit of everything you just said. 
when I started, I chose parks that I myself had been to because I was more comfortable commenting on them and bringing some personal knowledge. But I am one that runs on spontaneity and in the moment. So after a while, I would just ask a guest day of, hey, what are you doing tonight? Bring a park and let's talk about it. And that's usually what it is. And sometimes I've been to the park and sometimes I haven't. And regardless, I will research it. And I let my guest really spearhead the conversation. Sometimes I'll do podcast episodes by myself. And what I have learned is the best way is to be able to make fun of yourself (laughs) and be comfortable with awkwardness and silence. Uh, And everyone's just there because they want to have a good time and they want to connect with something they share a mutual interest in. So it stresses me out. Just listening. (laughs) I was going to say, if you heard like Sarah laugh when Olivia said spontaneous is because, uh, that would be definitely within the top three adjectives I would, uh, use to describe you, Olivia, um, spontaneous would definitely be up there. (laughs) And today's conversation is a little bit spontaneous as well. We're going to be nice and, and loose and just kind of talk about the things that we like about parks. We're going to play a little bit of a game soon, but we're going to also talk about why parks are important. Yeah. Before we kind of jump into that, Olivia, I'm still kind of curious then. So if you've done these episodes about parks that you've never been to, do you have like a, a favorite episode, a favorite park that you've gotten to learn about so far through the podcast that you haven't been to yet? Gosh, that is, that's a loaded question. (laughs) I really have enjoyed all of the conversations because on Remarkable Parks, we not only focus on parks in the traditional sense, but also uh, historical parks, historical sites and monuments and national forests. So I feel like it covers so much. Mm -hmm. I feel like people don't realize that in the United States, there are just millions and millions of acres of, of explored territory that people don't really visit. In fact, I want to say that there are currently 63 national parks. The number sometimes changes a little bit. I know the Indiana Dunes National Park just became a national park super recently. I, I think it's still the most recent national park. Uh, but I think it covers close to 665,000 square miles of parks out there. So it's hard to choose a favorite, I guess is what I'm trying to say in my ramblings. But I think the ones that draw the most attention to me are the least visited ones, which are mostly in Alaska. So the one that I liked to talk about was Denali National Park and Preserve. There's one park that I have not talked about that I want to talk about. Can I tell you what it is? (laughs) Share the secret with our (laughs) listeners. I want to talk about the Gates of the Arctic National Park and Preserve because it contains no roads or trails. And if you want to visit, you must fly or hike into the park. And the remoteness is so drawing to me. It is just sea sirening me in. Breaking news right here. You heard it first. Coming (laughs) soon on Remarkable Parks. If you've been to this park, call up Olivia. Please contact me. (laughs) I want to hear about it. The number I was trying to think of is there are 420 sites in the U.S. National Park System. So whether it be a monument or forest, but only 63 that are the capital N, capital P, National Park. Park parks. Yeah. Casey, what about you? Is there a park that you've never been to that you really want to see? 
Well, I, so I was doing a little bit of research for the game and Gates of, Gates of the Arctic also came up on my list where I was like, ooh, that sounds wild and I am all about it. Um, I think really my friend Carlos lives up in Washington. And so I'd really like to see places like Mount Rainier and Sequoia National Park, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I've never seen an actual for realsies giant tree. And I really want to see some giant trees. So what about you, Sarah? The, I mean, Sequoia is on my list too. Denali's on my list too. There's so many, there's so many that I haven't been to, especially out West. Like I've been to the Badlands and I've been to the Grand Canyon, but otherwise there's, I mean, I would love to go to Yellowstone. I would love to go to Arches. I, there, I, the list is a mile long and unfortunately we'll stay that way until I find time to road trip out West. But so many cool national parks and not just here in the United States. I feel like that this is kind of our tendency to think of national parks for us here in the United States, but national parks are global mm-hmm. too. There's national parks around the world. Have you guys ever been to a park in another country? Yes. I've been to lots of parks in, in Northern Ireland, but I'm pretty sure I've been to a national park there. Give me a second to Google. Olivia, do you have anything to add? I do. The park, if we're expanding the conversation to globally, the park that I want to go to so badly is Zambia Falls. Uh, I don't know if it's a national park or preserve or site, but Zambia Falls, I believe it is a national park. Oh, a, a dream it would be to visit really anywhere in Africa. Any park <laughs> would be a dream. There's also our neighbors upstairs in Canada. They've got some gorgeous parks as well. I want to go to Banff. My friend went there and the pictures were incredible. Uh, I believe I've been to Killarney National Park and then a number of UNESCO sites that are out there, okay, which yeah. are almost like sometimes they overlap, sometimes they're different. Um, so Giants Causeway I think functions as a park sort of does here, but it is considered a UNESCO heritage site. So highly recommend that too. I've just learned that what I was trying to describe is actually called Victoria Falls. Victoria and, it's Falls. Yeah. <laughs> and it's located between the border of Zambia and Zimbabwe. It's one of the world's largest waterfalls with a width of 1,708 miles, if you can believe it. Do you like how I just like nodded and support? I like, yes. And do you like, I love that. So that's why she's, she's feeding off of the spontaneity. There you go. And, and there's pros and cons. Well, would you guys like to play a small game? Yes. And please. I knew that was going to be Olivia's answer. I will, I will be dragged along reluctantly. Yes. It's going to be great. Guys, spontaneity is not my thing. You all know this, but let's do it. So I decided to do the collaborative instead of competitive version of this game. So I have just a couple questions for you guys, some trivia about our national parks um, here in the U.S. I tried to delve outside, but on the short research window I gave myself, that wasn't a good idea. So um, we're going to focus. Yeah, Olivia, go for it. Is Googling allowed? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Olivia, just hold your phone below the screen and she won't be able to tell. 
but I'm giving you a phone a friend in the form of each other. So you are going to collaboratively come up with the answer and they are multiple choice questions. So really like they're, the stakes are low. We're all going to learn a little bit of something and it's very short and we can move on to other things. Um, I'll I'll tell you what, Casey, I am a national state and city parks expert when I have my phone in my hand. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Um, Let's see. Uh, Let's start with this. So Different presidents have been involved with different aspects of national parks, but we're going to ask the question of which president founded the National Park Service, not the actual national Mm. parks, Mm. but the service itself. Sarah, I can't tell if you're like just scared about the question. This is why the games make me nervous because I think I know, but I could also be like horribly like in the wrong decade wrong. Okay, well, I'm going to give you some choices, and all of them are in different decades. So, oh gosh, oh gosh. <laughs> okay. So the first is Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, okay, he was my gut, but when you said service instead of parks, then I'm, I think he's out. Okay, the second is Woodrow Wilson. That's my guess. I think so too. Then it's Richard Nixon. No. Nope. <laughs> or no, um, or Abraham Lincoln. Wilson. Wilson is also my, my, yeah. Wilson is the correct answer. All of these people have been involved in like environmental things, surprisingly with Richard Nixon. We've talked about this before. Yeah. He actually helped with other uh, clean water acts and things like that. But yeah, it was Woodrow Wilson who founded the National Park Service. All right. Sequoia National Park is home to the tallest tree in the world by volume. And this tree has a name. What is its name? Your options are Pando. Hyperion, Old Tall Tree, or General Sherman? I was hoping one of them would be like, yes. Is it General Sherman? What do you think, Olivia? Are you going to weigh in on that one? Yeah, Olivia, we have to agree. I I know this. I'm like sure that this was in the book that I talked about way back at the beginning of our podcast. I want it to be Hyperion. That just sounds cool. (sighs) Um, I, I fully support instincts and intuition. So I'm going to vote for a general Sherman, but I feel like that's something else now. I don't know. (laughs) Sarah is correct. It is general Sherman. Hyperion is apparently the largest tree by actual height. I don't know who's, who's finagling around (laughs) these different statistics, but by volume is the qualifier for general Sherman and Sequoia national parks, actually like the only park that was formed or at least the first one around preserving a living being like not like this is a really cool they're like no that tree we got we got to protect that tree <laughs> and they like put him in wrapped in tin foil and yeah. fire blankets and yeah yep. keep him safe during wildfires which national park was recently renamed denali national park mm. was it mount rainier mount mckinley mm-hmm. jackson national park or zion national park Mount McKinley. I feel good about that one. I support her. She is correct. Mount Woo! McKinley, originally named after the president who never visited the park. Yes. Um, apparently, the founders were like, actually, at least one of them was a big advocate of Denali as being the name. And so that seemed to be like a big reason for changing it over. However, 
as we've talked about before, Native peoples had already named it Denali. Um, so it also helps honor their heritage as well. So good job. Quick on that one. Something okay. you will learn about parks, the more you delve into it, is how much history there is, specifically with the Native peoples that lived there. And uh, I encourage you all to not ignore that history and to delve deeper and ask those hard questions. Yeah, that's definitely, I think, a um, sticking point that some people will have with parks is it is arguably a form of colonization to basically put an area aside and not let anyone use it, whether it means for like commercial development in a Western sense or if it means just foraging for food on historic lands. This is definitely something that you'll see play out. And I, I expect a lot more um inclusion over time of people who currently live in the area to to allow them to kind of return to some of that original practices but for a long time locked out of of a national park system mm-hmm. all right this is an interesting one Uh-oh. in 1970 yosemite national park uh was had quote more blank than bears was it a sheep or domestic sheep running around Yosemite? Was it B, hippies? <laughs> Long-haired youths running around Yosemite. The youths. <laughs> the youths. Was it C, invasive cats who harm our wildlife? Or was it D, litter? There was more litter than bears in Yosemite. I'm not getting a strong pull towards any one of those that you read. I feel like litter, it can always be a yes, right? I I agree with that too. Part of me wants to go with the cats though, because we just talked about cats. I don't know if Casey's trying to stay on theme here. I could totally see it being cats. I I thought maybe deer was going to be an option because that's been an issue in parks in the history. So then I'm like, are sheep the deer of this park? I'm going to go with trash. I'm going to go with trash. Sarah, do you support her decision? You just hate to be wrong. <laughs> I do hate to be wrong. Um, and I also just can't decide. So, so yes, we're a team. If that's what Olivia wants to do, that's what we're doing. I'm sure it did, but that's not ah! the quote. The quote is, there were more hippies than bears in Yosemite <laughs> in 1970. <laughs> Apparently, uh, in Yosemite and other national parks, hippies were starting to come to the area. There were something like 400 to 500 hippies in Yosemite National Park that resulted in a clash with the police with a dozen people being injured and many, many arrests. I genuinely had no idea that that was a thing. So I I have learned on today's podcast. Parks are for everyone. Parks are for everyone. Hey, we might talk in a few minutes about some of the challenges with overcrowding in parks that apparently was going on back then as well. (laughs) Yes. It was interesting because I read a New York Times article from like that time and they were like, well, back in 1949, this wasn't an issue. And I was like, wow, back in my day has worked for a long time. Okay, last question. Which U.S. national park was the first to be established to protect an archaeological site? Oh. You ready? A, Mounds National Park. B, Mesa Verde National Park. C, Katmai National Park. Or D, Great Smoky Mountains National Park. I don't, I have no idea. I think it's Great Smoky Mountains. Really? 
I do. Like the way Casey's eyes are reflecting <laughs> in the camera. <laughs> I, I have no really idea, nothing. Olivia. So this is this is all you. The archaeological site is throwing me off, but I know yeah. Great Smoky Mountains was a first of some kind. So I just don't remember it being Mesa Verde also is is you know tingling my brain a little bit, doing the, the old-fashioned brain tickle, if you will. <sighs> I'm gonna go with Smokies. But it's gonna be Mesa Verde. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think it's Smokies, but I, I genuinely don't know. Okay, Sarah, we went with me last time. I, but I, want... I don't have a guess. So, okay. well, that, nope. Last minute change. Mesa Verde. Ah! Mesa Verde. Go with that yes! brain tickle. <laughs> Good job, Olivia. So the ancestral Pueblo people uh, lived there, and I believe I've been there, and it is super cool. So highly recommend going to Mesa Verde National Park. And it was the first one to protect an archaeological site. So that was something that was interesting when I was doing this research is parks are established for so many different mm-hmm. reasons. So sometimes they are human-centric. Sometimes it's like, oh, that's real pretty. And sometimes it has to do with protection of nature. So, um, I found that super fascinating and good job guys. You won the game. Yay. What did, what did we win? You win my uh, ever adoring love and affection. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> uh, thanks for creating that. Thanks, Olivia. Thanks for saving the team there. Well done. <laughs> uh, and it, yeah, so let's, let's kind of play off of that a little bit. Then Casey's like you mentioned, these parks are created for so many different reasons. And Olivia, you know, you, you have this whole podcast centered around parks. What are the benefits of parks and not just our national parks? We have local parks, we have state parks in addition to our natural national parks. What are some of the things that we're getting? Why are these parks important? What pops to mind for you guys? I always gravitate to the intrinsic value of parks. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. If you hear a squeaking sound, that is my dog who thought right now is the opportune time to play with her duck. We love it. squeaks. Okay. I always go to the intrinsic value of parks. And if you want people to positively care about the world, they have to first care, (laughs) period. And uh, I think if people feel something, feel an emotional connection to a park, that's going to inspire them to want to help conserve the parks and to in turn help save the planet. Is that too broad of an answer? No, no, (laughs) no. I like, I think that my answer is pretty similar to that. So I am a big believer in social services, um, to make sure that everybody gets equal access to a, a, you know, whether that means making sure that people are well taken care of and having food and water and, and a clean environment, But also parks are one of the ways that we kind of subsidize access to nature for lots of people that wouldn't otherwise have access to it. So having these areas that are set set aside for recreation and for taking a step back and going slowly, not necessarily engaging in something that has to be productive, has to be connected to our screens or anything like that, and making sure that everyone has a space to enjoy nature, to relax and to make those connections that have been so important for all of us, um, in kind of our development and our careers. And, and not to say that it is equal access, but it is a step towards equal access since there's definitely some accessibility issues within parks. 
Yeah, for sure. Casey, I'm, I know that you said all good things and I agree with a lot of what you said, but I, I probably also missed half of it because <laughs> Rue is jumping around in the background and it just made me so a, happy. <laughs> a cattail mustache for a hot second there. It doesn't even face me anymore. <laughs> the, the animals are retaliating against a little greener. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with both of you though. I mean, I think, you know, we're all here. We all, we have our respective podcasts and work in the fields that we do because we have a just genuine appreciation for nature and wild places. And so I think we are all just kind of naturally drawn to parks. And we hope that through the existence of these parks, other people are going to have that opportunity to get that connection and appreciation that we feel too. So in my mind, that's enough. Like that's enough reason to have these parks, but they do other things too. I mean, you know, if we think about our local parks and we want to go the utilitarian route, they do good things for us too. Casey, you mentioned there's definitely an access issue and we don't have equal access to our parks in our cities, but parks do have the effect of bringing up property values, attracting businesses to the area. They can even generate revenue by uh, recreation programs and things like that. And even, you know, they can have nature-focused programs as well to help increase the the interest in nature in urban areas where they they might not not otherwise have access. So that's good as well. There are community centers for people. Olivia, you mentioned this too. People like to experience nature together. So our parks are places where people can come and join up and do things together. Um, And then, of course, the environmental benefits as well, right? So our, our parks, even just our city parks down the block can provide some important habitats for wildlife too. And we're speaking very much of parks in the traditional sense of nature parks, but I think it's so important to remember that in the United States, we have historical parks as well and uh, parks that are, are monuments. And so not only are we conserving the land, but in many cases, we're also conserving a culture and uh, a history that might be difficult to talk about. And so I think these parks also protect that that story as history, well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think, um, you know, c- critics of parks, which I think rightfully criticize them in, in that they do cut off sometimes access or maybe um, gatekeep who has access to parks. But in a lot of cases, the alternative by not declaring something a park is to allow it to be open to commercial development and Mm -hmm. to lose private ownership. Yeah. Having private ownership would potentially cause even more gatekeeping. So kind of moving closer and closer to kind of that golden ideal of, of parks that I see in my brain (laughs) is, is has to be a constant, uh, effort. Definitely. It is a constant fight. (laughs) Everything is everything worthwhile is. (laughs) So we've alluded to it then a little bit with some of the things that we've said already, but what do you guys see as some of the challenges or the issues with parks, whether that is our national parks system or just parks in general? Where, where are some of our shortcomings? I think one of the cases that I like to talk about is Carlsbad Caverns National Park in New Mexico because it truly has a tough spot of accessibility versus preservation. So Carlsbad Caverns is a massive cavern. It's, I believe, the largest underground 
um, cavern in the United States. And they have made the entire thing wheelchair accessible. They've even put bathrooms in the caverns downstairs and an elevator in the caverns. Very, very accessible. But at what cost to the natural preservation of that cavern? I spoke with the rangers there and they said that they have prioritized people over the park for centuries. And so while more people are able to experience it, we are taking away the untouched aspect, if you will. So I, I think that's like a huge balance and a hard conversation of you want to make parks as equal as you can and as accessible as you can, but you also want to conserve what it was once in its true form, if you will. And uh, yeah, I would say that's true just across the board. I mean, yeah, I, I think if you're going to give people access to something, you need to try to give as equitable access as possible in my mind anyway, but I think the, just the over reach or the, uh, I don't, the, the right word isn't coming to me, but having so much infrastructure so deep in so many parks to allow people access to everything is hard. And so like we've talked about before, Great Smoky Mountains is my favorite national park that I've been to. I love it. I believe is still the most popular. It's the most visited, mm -hmm. I think, every year of our national parks in this country. And how, so how much is too much, right? Because that starts to detract from the visitor experience. How much nature are you really soaking in when you're trapped inside a line of cars or you go to your hiking spot and you can't get out of your car because there's no place to park um, versus, yeah, yeah, how many people tromping through, you know, these environments, you know, when do we start to destroy the very nature that we're trying to preserve? So I think mm -hmm. that is a really, really tough balance for our park system to to try to strike and, and, and an issue that needs to be figured out. Yeah, absolutely. Also people who maybe attend some of these biggest national parks already have to have a decent amount of resources to get to them in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, so as much as we've protected this land, actually getting there, actually experiencing it is still sort of reserved for certain class of people who can afford to take vacations or have a vehicle who, that they can either bring or rent. Um, so that accessibility and, and also who feels safe in parks. Um, mm -hmm. Oftentimes people of color don't have the same sort of comfort level out in nature that white people enjoy. So that's definitely something that is a cultural thing that partially we have to tackle um, and just acknowledge that it, in order to go to a park in, in the first place, like our city parks are one thing, but going to enjoy kind of these big national reserves of nature is still sort of cordoned off for certain people. Yeah, that's, that's true. And uh, yeah, I think just another cultural problem that needs solving too. And I know that conversations are had around this and I don't, you know, I don't know what all of the solutions are other than to all just kind of keep on being aware of it. And for us to all be good stewards when we're visiting to, you know, to be aware and to be welcoming uh, to all of the people around us for sure step one, but also to be aware and to be respectful of the nature that's around us as well, which again goes back to why I feel like conservation education is so important so that people are truly understanding and connecting to these places that, that they're visiting. One encouraging aspect of park accessibility that I've been excited about recently is 
technology. I know it's not the same as being there in person, but a great resource that the National Park Service has worked on expanding is sharing the parks through video experience and through podcasts and through live interpretation. And I think that is a great gateway to get people involved who may not have the means to get there in person or may not feel comfortable traveling to the parks in person. Also, I think it's U.S. Fish and Wildlife and National Parks Service run some mean Instagram accounts. Yeah, they do. (laughs) They they really know how to capture your attention with a good photo and a funky caption. So highly recommend the follow if you want a little nature and a little laugh in your, your life. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Olivia, for coming on our podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to... Uh, share with our listeners. They can listen to Remarkable Parks basically on any platform that they can listen to podcasts on, correct? Yes. You can listen to Remarkable Parks on anywhere you listen to podcasts like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. My closing thought would be, although you should never be afraid to think globally, think nationally about your parks, Don't be afraid and uh, don't forget to visit locally. Your city park, your state park, really great work and really great people are helping to make that an awesome place. And it needs just as much love as the big names do too. So find your local park. Thanks, Livia. Do you have any uh, social media accounts or anything like that where folks want to follow you, follow follow your podcast that they can do so? Or tell you about the time they went to uh, Gates of the Arctic and yes. <laughs> become a guest. I will be disappointed if no one contacts me <laughs> about Gates of the Arctic. Uh, yes, we have a Facebook and an Instagram. We are found at Remarkable Parks Podcast. Please give us a follow and please tell me all of the parks that you've been to. I'd love to hear about it. I think that's, I mean, what you're doing is exciting because talking about something so like lovely and, and sharing that love, I think reminds everybody how important it is, um, to continue to protect these spaces, to visit these spaces, to share these spaces with as many people as you can. So thanks for doing what you do. Well, thank you so much for giving me the pat on the back and thank you for having me on this awesome podcast. You ladies do wonderful work and I look forward to each episode. You're so sweet. (laughs) Thanks, Olivia. We appreciate you. Thank you. everybody we hope you enjoyed that sort of fun lighthearted conversation with our friend Olivia we have just a few challenges for you this week and the first one is just going to be to pick a park pick a park to visit and there's a couple ways that you can do that if you have a city park around or a local park or a state park or whatever if there's something nearby you that you've never visited go exploring Take a look around what you have you around you. You can also use the website findyourpark.com if you want to go big and visit a national park. I, I can't remember if Find Your Park was an initi- initiative for 
the National Park Service Centennial. It's several years old now, but the website is still active. So you can go there, you can look at the different national parks, you can sort based on kind of what you want to do or see to pick a national park and go on a little field trip, Uh, but get out and go exploring. And while you're out there exploring, the kind of addendum to this challenge is to make sure that you are a responsible explorer. We talked a little bit about some of the challenges that parks can bring, especially these national parks where we're giving access to these natural areas in the hopes of connecting people to nature, but people also sometimes take advantage and end up harming the very nature we're trying to appreciate. So make sure that you are being a responsible explorer also being responsible and kind and welcoming to those people around you too. If you are someone who's like COVID quarantined right now or um, experiencing something that doesn't allow you to get outside into a local park, there's a lot of virtual tours of some of the national parks that you could go check out as well that um, hopefully can be accessible to you if you're not able to go explore in person. And if you can, other than visiting to support your parks. So see if your even your state or local parks have a way to support them, um, whether that's through like a friends of the park kind of initiative or whatever the case may be. But take a look into that because we value these spaces and we want to let people know that we value them and give them the support that they need. And then finally, last but certainly not least, your challenge for the week is to listen to Remarkable Parks. So check out Olivia's podcast, wherever you get your podcast. And remember Casey was a guest host on one of those episodes as well. So you can- I'm on two. So you got You're options. On two? You- yeah. I did one recently on Valley Forge national park, <gasps> national historic park. I yes. missed that. Well, I yeah. have to catch up. That'll be my challenge. You if you too. really are like just seeking out more of my melodious, uh, vocal fry, you can find Always. it on this, on, uh, remarkable parks on either the Indiana national dunes or Valley Forge national historic park if you're looking for a familiar starting point but there's lots of really cool episodes and olivia is always interviewing someone fun who uh, has their own perspective on visiting certain parks fantastic thanks casey thanks for your wonderful game in this episode too <laughs> i was very stressed out about it but i also very much enjoyed it so thank thanks you for, for that. participating <laughs> <laughs> and everybody if you want to reach out to us we have a number of ways that you can do so you can find us on facebook we are a little greener podcast we are on instagram at a little greener pod we are on twitter at a greener podcast and you can send us an email at a little greener podcast at gmail.com that just keeps getting longer and longer but we want to make sure that you know that you can reach out to us anywhere anytime we love to hear from you and thanks so much for listening rate review yes. subscribe five stars keep All listening <laughs> download <laughs> we appreciate you very much thanks for listening have a great week bye